Welcome to the Fashion Law Network podcast series. My name is Kasia Zabroska-Trabin. I'm a patent attorney and fashion enthusiast based in Los Angeles, California. Join me as I break down legal cases, discuss recent fashion news, and demystify patent law. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fashion Law Network podcast series. As always, thank you so, so much for tuning in. On this episode, we're going to talk about the case that has been grabbing all the fashion headlines this past week, Chanel versus what goes around comes around. I think I've had no less than 20 friends and listeners from around the globe message me about this case, asking me to cover it, provide my thoughts, so how can I say no? I'm more than happy to do a deep dive on this topic since I have been following it very closely, eagerly awaiting each court filing which has not disappointed me in the last weeks. There has been a lot of filings. So finally here, we have a case that did not settle in confidentiality, so this gives us a little bit of guidance on luxury resellers, as that's what the store, what goes around, comes around is. And overall, in my opinion, it's not really looking too good for them. The complaint that was filed by Chanel against the luxury reseller store, what goes around, comes around, was based in large part upon the allegation that what goes around, comes around, conduct implied a non-existent endorsement with Chanel that would be likely to mislead consumers. So essentially, Chanel won this lawsuit um, and this brand new ruling for Chanel will likely increase the threshold required for luxury reselling authentication processes and also the overall vetting process. In my opinion, this may also have an impact on individual sellers and buyers of luxury products. For example, people like myself who buy luxury products, then sell them via third party. Like in my case, I use the real real. And then if companies like the real real will be more hesitant to accept these various products by litigious companies like Chanel, then perhaps they're gonna phase out of the resale market of those items, which will of course impact people like me who like to recycle their luxury goods products. Taking this even further, I can speculate that individual buyers may not even wanna continue buying certain luxury products knowing it may be difficult to resell them later on. I know for me personally, this will hamper my desire to buy luxury going forward. I like the feeling that I know that a luxury item I purchase may hold its value a few years down the line and then I can resell it for a sizable price compared to when I purchased it. And Chanel is of course the quote poster child of one of these companies because their products typically hold their value the best. So this ruling, in my opinion, will have a ripple effect across many lines of resellers and purchasers. By way of just general law, typically luxury resellers have the right to sell their pre-owned genuine products without permission from the brand owner under what's called the first sale doctrine. And I think I've talked about this doctrine before. It has come up um, in the Chanel versus the Real Real case. But just by way of a quick background here, the first sale doctrine 
sometimes people call it the first sale rule or right of first sale. It's a legal concept here in the United States that limits the rights of a owner of intellectual property to control the resale of products once it's distributed into the chain. So for example, this comes into play in copyrights, trademarks, and patents. So in the copyright sense, this doctrine would enable the distribution chain of copyrighted products like video rentals and the secondary markets for copyrighted works like letting individuals sell their legally purchased books or CDs to other people. In trademark law, the first sale doctrine enables reselling of trademark products after the trademark holder puts the products on the market. So in this example that we're talking about in Chanel, so by this theory, once Chanel sells their bag, it's essentially a free-for-all. <laughs> um, I'm sure they wouldn't like me saying that, but under the first sale doctrine, the buyer can do with it what they want, be it sell it to the real real, give it to what goes around, comes around. And then I guess the issue here comes in how these third party companies then resell it further. They're kind of promotional materials. Does it sound like these third party luxury resellers are affiliated with the original brand? That's kind of the crux of the issue here. And then this first sale doctrine also comes into play um, with patents because the doctrine allows the resale of patented products without any control from the patent holder, of course. Um, so that's kind of the three main ways that this doctrine comes into play. So despite this first sale doctrine, though, it is really important to know that resellers still risk liability if offering for sale non-genuine or counterfeit products and if they're using the brand owner's marks in a misleading way in marketing um, which may not fall under the fair use exception so this store at the crux of this lawsuit which is everywhere in the news right now i think i've seen it in vogue women's wear daily like every single fashion blog has been writing about it so what goes around comes around has three physical locations and of course a large e-commerce presence. They have two in New York and one in Beverly Hills. I've been to the one in Beverly Hills and in comparison to the real real store, it's a lot smaller and I would say it's more highly curated in my opinion. It's in a nice store, um, prime location in Beverly Hills near the major shopping area, which of course is Rodeo Drive here. It's a few blocks away from the Saxon and Neiman's department store in Beverly Hills on Wilshire. And then an interesting fact I learned while researching this episode was that Chanel had purchased a stake in Farfetch back in 2018. And that makes me wonder if they were planning on controlling the reselling market of their own bag through Farfetch. This, of course, is just my own speculation. Um, exactly how much Chanel invested was not disclosed, but the deal did mark a huge step for the brand to enter the e-commerce section, as we all know that Chanel does not sell their bags 
um, online. However, that doesn't mean that Chanel will put their ready-to-wear handbags and clothes for sale online anytime soon. Um, so to actually purchase a Chanel bag or to even find out how much one costs, you still have to go to a physical store. I noticed that only some of their accessories, like the shoes, have a price, but you can't buy them online. So that's kind of how Chanel keeps their allure of exclusivity still. And of course, their crazy price increase recently. I think they had two last year. They had three the year before. Their handbags have gone up in price to be comparable to almost uh, Hermes prices at this, po at this point. Um, also, I wonder what happened to the stake in Chanel that they had in Farfetch, considering the financial ruin that Farfetch is in now. And of course, to hear all about that crazy downfall of Farfetch, check out my episode all about Farfetch titled Who's the Fairest of Them All? Part 2. Part 1 is about the rise of Farfetch, which was two years or two and a half years ago to three years ago, to their um, re recent downfall. So first, let's begin with some background history of this company. What goes around comes around. Not everybody may be familiar with it. It's definitely not as known as the real real, in my opinion. So let's talk about when this company started and what it's all about. So I went on the what goes around comes around website. And in the about tab, they talk about their company, so they called themselves the Resale Company, was founded in 1993 by Seth Weiser and Gerard Mayon. They were two Syracuse University graduates who preferred vintage shopping over traditional retail. So it seems like this started as a vintage shop back in the early 90s. And in the early 90s, according to their website, they recognized that traditional retailers were finding success with curated assortments, but there was nothing remotely similar in the world of vintage. So that's where their idea was born, to create a space where vintage could have a point of view with a commitment to authenticity. Then they go on to write that Weiser and Mayon's vision and deep understanding of the vintage market led what goes around comes around from their original New York flagship in Soho to global expansion, which includes the retail store I talked about earlier in Beverly Hills, <clears throat> a second location in New York City, a presence within many leading retailers around the world, and a, quote, thriving e-commerce site. So then they talk about um, what goes around comes around, also known as WGACA, which to me is more confusing to say than just the full name, is the premier purveyor of the finest luxury vintage accessories, apparel from around the world, and they claim that no other retailer combines pre-loved luxury accessories and high fashion apparel in a curated seasonal and trend-facing assortment. Um, then they go on to state that what goes around comes around selection of top-tier pre-owned accessories and apparel from brands such as Vintage Hermes, uh, Vintage Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Dior, Fendi, Saint Laurent are housed with a coveted collection of vintage denim, rare rock tees, and other one-of-a-kind finds. What goes around comes around bags and accessories are renowned by celebrities tastemakers. 
who come in search of authentic and collectible luxury vintage with a shopping experience that is like no other. So now let's get into this six year long battle between Chanel and what goes around comes around. It all began back in March 2018, which interestingly is also when Chanel filed their complaint against the real real. And that legal battle is very prominently featured on this podcast series. I was so fascinated with that case. That's what prompted me to even start this podcast way back in 2022. I can't believe this podcast has been going for almost four years now. I never would have believed that if someone told me that back in 2020. I remember I was reading every legal filing on that The Real Real case on Pacer and and I couldn't believe no one was talking about it. So I thought, well, I'll be the first. (laughs) Anyway, so back in March of 2018, Chanel filed their complaint against the luxury reseller company What Goes Around Comes Around in connection with their unauthorized resale of Chanel branded products. And in terms of a brief timeline according to the pacer it's like an online docketing system that i use to look up all the court documents filed in this case we of course have the first complaint filed by chanel um 2018 of march and then what goes around comes around responded in june of that same year a lot of back and forth including some attempted settlement discussions and then we get into the apex of this case in january of this year um, when there was a jury trial and then that jury trial ended february 6 2024 with the win for chanel so before we get into that let's discuss some of the more interesting documents in the docket history for this case so first let's read the complaint that sparked this whole battle i'm going to read the second amended complaint just for the record Um, it's just more updated 33 pages so obviously i will not be reading the entire complaint because that would probably take close to two hours (laughs) but i will read some of the more uh main points here as usual so um we talk so on page two of the complaint chanel alleges that this action arises out of what goes around comes arounds improper business practices What goes around comes around represents itself as the quote leading global purveyor of authentic luxury vintage accessories and apparel and exhorts to online consumers by WGACA Chanel 100% authenticity guaranteed. And I'm reading straight from the complaint here. Defendant WGACA advertises and purports to sell secondhand luxury products, including purportedly Chanel branded products that it obtains from third parties. So those, of course, may be people like me who purchase the products and then want to resell them through a third party. Defendant WACA also purports to sell genuine Chanel branded point of sale items, including tissue box covers, trays, and mirrors, which are not authorized for sale to the public by Chanel. Now, these are my own comments. This I've never seen in a complaint before, where these point of sale items are sold. I didn't even know that was the name for them, but you know when you would go into a Chanel store and they have the little Chanel tissue box and the Chanel branded mirror, so those apparently are not allowed to be sold to the public. Um, And I'm wondering how these point of sale items even 
entered this reseller market. Perhaps it was a former or current Chanel employee, because I don't know who else would have access to that. Um, so then the complaint goes on to allege that through its business advertising and practices, defendant WGACA has attempted to deceive consumers into falsely believing that WGACA has some kind of approval or relationship with Chanel or that Chanel authenticated what goes around comes around goods in order to trade off Chanel's brand and goodwill. They go on to allege that Chanel has explicitly refused what goes around comes around requests to enter into an arrangement wherein they have some sort of affiliation and they go on to allege that defendant what goes around comes around is not an authorized distributor or retailer of Chanel products and has gone out of their way to create an association with Chanel. This includes their extensive use throughout their marketing materials of the Chanel brand, imaging Chanel brand products, including displaying products it does not appear to sell in stores and online, using Chanel advertisements and trademarks and social media, referring to secondhand Chanel products as their quote, hashtag WGACA Chanel, or quote, our vintage WGACA Chanel products. So this all kind of reminds me of the Chanel versus the real real case. There was a lot of very similar uh, allegations in that case. So they go on to state that in addition to this ongoing misconduct, Chanel recently learned that defendant what goes around comes around has sold counterfeit Chanel branded point of sale items, including a counterfeit handbag and fake Chanel branded tissue box cover, which were never authorized for sale by Chanel. This is the first time I've ever read about a allegedly counterfeit um, Chanel branded tissue box cover, but that's interesting, I guess. Chanel fans want to get anything with the Chanel logo on them, perhaps. Then we get into the wrongdoing part of, or the unlawful conduct portion of the complaint. Um, and so Chanel alleges that what goes around comes around, held trunk shows at retail locations featuring Chanel products and that they held themselves out as experts on distinguishing genuine Chanel designs from fakes. So there's like a really interesting um, excerpt on that, how they um, had a lady who would come into these trunk shows and she would give tips on how to distinguish authentic items to not authentic items. In addition to the complaint, which alleges that in that, article, Chanel's black and white authenticity cards were compared to and associated with what goes around comes around black authenticity cards. And Chanel is claiming that the what goes around comes around so-called expert had no Chanel training or experience authenticating genuine Chanel products. Then they go on to allege that defendant what goes around comes around welcome email misleads new potential customers because it features a female model wearing a Chanel belt and a Chanel bag. So I guess Chanel is thinking that the consumer would see that and think they're associated. Personally, I wouldn't, but perhaps I'm more sophisticated than the average uh, luxury reseller consumer. 
the then the complaint goes on to allege that the what goes around comes around website and it's misleading exploitation of the Chanel brand and the famous trademark so then they have some exhibits where they take screenshots of the website showing how what goes around comes around um, they use the Chanel mark um, in some items and then defendant what goes around comes around guarantee of authenticity is impliedly false this goes on for oh and then they talk about how what goes around comes around gives out these letters of authenticity to consumers who purchase their product and they're stating that the letter of authenticity in false and misleading because the item is not branded a quote authentic chanel decoration oh this was about the clean uh, kleenex box um so they're stating they can't say that because chanel doesn't sell these point of sale sale chanel branded items like the black tissue box i'd like to see a picture of this famous black tissue box so then there was obviously a lot of back and forth like i said literally for years what goes around comes around countered chanel's claims by stating that um, their items are authentic and they asserted that that first sale doctrine entitled them to sell these quote authentic chanel items and then we come to the nearly month-long jury trial it started in january 2024 and that's where the jury um gave a verdict for Chanel. Um, but before I get into that, those details, I just wanted to um, do a little side note on what came out during the jury trial, which to me was really interesting. So this I'm getting from realauthentication.com. And um, it states that during the trial on January 9th, what goes around comes around sale of an allegedly counterfeit Chanel handbag was brought to light identified as such due to the use of an unauthorized serial sticker tag within the bag. Allegedly, the serial sticker was one of 30,000 serial stickers and authenticity cards that were stolen back in 2012 directly from a major Chanel factory in Milan, Italy. The factory is called Renato Corti, um, of which Chanel owns a 40% stake. So oddly enough, it was also stated that no bags were stolen during the middle of the night robbery. So only these alleged 30,000 serial stickers were stolen. And then Chanel claims to have later located the missing serial cards and stickers in a garage raid. And they in turn internally voided these 30,000 serial numbers. So Chanel uses this um, system called Orly, O-R-L-I. I had never heard of it before I was doing my research for this case, but that's kind of where they keep track of all the serial numbers and the cards that are associated with that. So back to realauthentication.com, they state that despite this retrieval, it was revealed that some of those voided serial stickers have since surfaced and have been found within allegedly counterfeit handbags. This suggests that even though the serial stickers that were voided within Chanel's internal database, the serial stickers production was indeed from a genuine factory and would appear genuine in nature. Unfortunately, these genuine but allegedly not authorized stickers could now potentially be adhered to counterfeit Chanel products circulating the secondhand market today 
further deceiving unknown secondhand buyers and resellers. And then there was a trial recap from Women's Wear Daily, which stated the serial numbers serve other purposes too, allowing Chanel to pinpoint the factories where the goods are made, as well as when and under what conditions. They also enable the company to track detailed information about such specifications as sustainability of each of the components that were used. And then Chanel determined that 11 of the 12 handbags to be counterfeit due to the fact that their serial numbers match those of the stolen serials from 2012 and were thus, quote, unauthentic, however, unauthorized. And there was this example, um, the 11th handbag in question. It was a clear vinyl boy bag and it had a serial number. And that serial number did not match the description listed within Chanel's internal system because Chanel's internal system had that serial number as a red leather Chanel sack bowling. So that was just one of the many things that, you know, kind of came out during this long history and trial. So now let's get into the unanimous verdict that the jury rendered, finding what goes around comes around liable on all counts. And they found that Chanel had successfully proven that what goes around comes around infringed Chanel's trademark and engaged in unfair competition. They found that what goes around comes around acted, quote, willfully or with reckless disregard or with willful blindness in its use of Chanel's trademarks or other indica of Chanel. And that Chanel branded products sold or offered for sale by what goes around comes around were not authorized for sale, differed materially from the product authorized for sale, and they didn't pass Chanel's quality control procedures. They also found that some Chanel branded handbags sold by what goes around comes around were were counterfeit, and that what goes around comes around engaged in false advertising and they acted willfully Um, with reckless disregard in the false advertising. So this was very interesting, um, unanimous verdict that we have never seen before. And I also like to research the judges in these kind of like seminal cases. So in this case, it was Judge Louis Stanton that presided, and he's presided in some pretty impressive cases before. He was the judge in the civil complaint filed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission against um, Bernard Madoff. And um, so in this case, this is probably another one that he'll be famous for, um, just like the other one. So here the jury awarded $4 million in statutory damages to Chanel. And then Chanel said in a statement just last Tuesday, and I'm quoting straight from the statement here, They welcome the ruling which demonstrates their unwavering commitment to protecting consumers and their brand against all false association, trademark infringement, and counterfeiting and false advertising. So there we have a very (laughs) detailed deep dive into this fascinating year-long legal battle. I'm going to be really curious to see what will transpire over the next few months and few years in the luxury reseller market and i'm sure i'll have another episode updating you guys on these developments soon so please come back soon for my next episode as always thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a wonderful day bye